Welcome to the Anglican Church of the Good Shepherd, Pelham, Alabama podcast. Heavenly Father, we come to you as great sinners, whether or not we truly realize that or not. And we pray these prayers of the church to remind us of the need that we have for you, for redemption, for love beyond all comprehension. We thank you that love came down that Christ Jesus lived with us. And we glorify your holy name, that he returns to you and sits at your right hand. And yet, though he is not with us physically, he has promised that where two or three are gathered together, there he is with us. Thank you, Lord, that you are with us now. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Ascension so often overlooked, so often forgotten about, an afterthought, even if we confess it in the creed. And yet it is crucial for our salvation. Because we can read the account of the ascension of Christ descending into heaven, disappearing in the sight of a cloud, and think, well, that's fond, that's quaint. But then we don't recall the words of the men clothed in white, the angels who suddenly appeared there on the ground with those disciples, looking up as their Lord ascends, as he told them, promised them that he would. Men of Galilee, why do you stand there staring with mouths ajaw, gaping into heaven? The same Lord Jesus will return the same way that you saw him ascend. And indeed, one of those saints, St. John, will have a vision in his revelation how Christ will suddenly advent, appear like lightning in the sky. He will return truly as judge of heaven and earth. And we celebrate that as Christians. But that word judgment is a dirty word in today's language. We think that judgment is something too harsh. If there's any verse in the Bible in which this world can still quote, it's judge not. Lest ye be judged, for the measure in which you meet out, the measure in which you judge, so shall you be judged. But the context, and context is king, as they say, is a warning that our self-judgment of our neighbor will get us in trouble with the only one who can judge, the Lord Jesus. But I'm not here to talk about the judgment of the Lord. It's not Advent, it's Ascension. And Ascension is a short period, Ascension Tide. This octave in which we celebrate over these days the glory that the Lord Jesus has returned to. The glory which he shared with his disciples, with those three whom he called out to come forth upon the Mount of Transfiguration. To see for that moment there is all of a sudden his very appearance changed. His very clothing turned white, far whiter than any launderer can make white, as the scripture testifies. And it's to that glory that our Lord returns to. But it seems like he leaves us. He abandons us. And so many of us in this world today have felt abandonment in our life. Sometimes the worst form of abandonment, the abandonment of a parent. And so we feel like, has our Lord abandoned us? That's not the case. Our Lord steps from the earthly realm, the creation that he made, that we see, that he created as the word of God, and steps into the heavenly realm. 
and he leaves us not as children wanting love, but instead gifts us with the promise that he will fulfill, and he has fulfilled on Pentecost. And in ascension, in an ascension tide, we sit here waiting. For our Lord tells us, as he told the disciples, wait, wait for power from on high. Don't leave yet where you're at. Do not leave that upper room, but wait, for God is coming. Yes, God is coming, that Holy Spirit, the Holy Ghost, so mysterious, yet just as very much God as the Father and the Son. And we are promised to receive this Spirit for our own benefit. For we were saved for such a purpose, to be commissioned, to be enrolled, to be priested in that priesthood of all believers. To go forth is walk in temples of the Holy Spirit, not to live this life as we've always lived, but to live life anew. For resurrection life has come piercing through the earthly realm, coming from the heavenly realm. And our Lord, our Savior, He goes back to where He was from all eternity with the Father, but He goes back with a body. He goes back with a body. Where once we were divided, heaven and earth, holy from the unholy, Recall that those angels who rebelled were cast out from heaven. And as John in his revelation records for us, they were cast out upon the earth, where the prince of darkness thinks he rules. But now he sees there's another thing coming. For the true king not only has been born, has been incarnated, not only has lived, not only has died, but has risen again, defeating death by death, conquering our sins through the white garments that he wears, and he clothes us within our baptismal vows. And by not only clothing us, but also equipping us. There's something that is known in this world as imposter syndrome. I was talking with a friend this week at a conference, and he said that he had a new job. He's been there for a couple of years. He's like, at first, though, I just felt like I was I was faking it. And I was not going to make it. I shouldn't be here. I'm not like all these others who are around. I'm an imposter. But then he gained confidence. He was trained. He started to use the skills that he was trained with. And he's been extremely successful in his vocation. I'm quite happy and proud for him. And it got me to thinking that that's the same as the vocation of the Christian life. We are being trained up, discipled through the Word of God. We are being equipped by the power of the Holy Spirit that we wait for like those disciples in great anticipation. Our Lord, who we saw, is now gone. And now we wait. And that waiting is the hardest part in the Christian life. Be still and know that I am God. But if you're like me, you don't want to be still. If you're like me, even when I sit down, I'm shaking my leg, you know, nervously doing something, messing around with a pen or a pencil. Because I want to be up, I want to be active, I want to do something. But the Lord tells the disciples and tells us in life, be still and know that I'm God. Because power is coming. Promises are being fulfilled. We are being equipped. We are being trained to be sent out from these walls to love one another in this household of faith, and then to go out and to love others, our neighbors. And not merely by our actions, but also by our words of sharing why we love. 
because new hearts have been given. A new spirit has been placed within us. And our call is to obey that spirit. And to walk in love through the works that we're doing to glorify God. And so Peter, in his first letter in chapter 4, he comes to us here in verse 7. He tells us, the end of all things is at hand. Makes me think of Peter being over here at the street corner with a sign, the end is near. And that's what he's telling us. The end of all things is at hand. Because we live in the end of this evil age. And on the cusp of heaven breaking through and uniting with earth. For in the ascension, we learn and we see that heaven is in another realm. It is separate and yet it is also so close at times to this realm. That God has not deserted us. It's by his very word that we still have our life, our breath, that we're able to move. And the Celtic Christians, the Celtics of old, spoke of being in a holy place, in a sacred place, in a ground that was set apart from the rest of this world. And they spoke of these places as being the thin places on earth, where heaven and earth touch, perhaps for just a moment. So close that you could even taste it, you might say. And we gather today to worship the one who ascended and who makes Sunday a thin place every time we gather together. Because it's not just us worshiping, O Christian. It's also the saints who went before us. The saints who are now in the heavenly realm with their Lord, with their Maker, with their Savior. With, as we proclaim in just a moment, with angels and with archangels and all the company of heaven who forever sing this hymn of praise. Holy, 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 Lord God of Sabaoth. Heaven and earth are filled with your glory. Heaven and earth are filled with your glory. And that's the call to us, is to fill this earth, to fill this place with the glory of God. And we're equipped to do that through the power of the Holy Spirit. In the life of the church year, we await Pentecost, but the reality we live in every day, thanks be to God, is because of faith in Jesus Christ, because of trust in who Jesus is and what he has accomplished. Christ has died, Christ has risen, Christ will come again. He has equipped us with the power of the Holy Spirit when we submitted to those waters of baptism, and he made us clean, the remission of sins. And we made those baptismal vows that, yes, I do renounce Satan. I renounce the world, all the vanity and all the pomp that is in this life. We enroll ourselves into the priesthood that God has equipped us, into being walking temples of that Holy Spirit. And so Peter is telling us today as we await in the church year, that descent of the Holy Spirit upon us all. He is telling us what is it going to look like when we do leave from this place to go out. When we leave from the upper room and we are anointed with the power of the Holy Spirit. What does it look like, O oh Christian, to walk out into the world, which you are part of, but that you are not made members of? And he tells us in verse 7, Therefore, be self-controlled. And sober-minded for the sake of your prayers. 
We live in the end of this evil world. He started that out with the sentence of the end of all things is at hand. We live at the end of this evil age. So do not worry. Do not grieve. Do not panic that the end is near. Instead, glorify God. And even when it seems as though the world is winning, as though this evil age may be conquering, remind yourself that the gates of hell shall not prevail against the church. So gather yourself, O Christian. Gather yourself together with fellow Christians. Flee from all the lusts and from all the passions, all the distractions and all the sin, all the trespasses of this world. Do not be prone to anger. Do not be quick to speak. But as our Lord told us, let our yes be yes and our no be no. Let us speak as the Lord has revealed. Let us not try to please men, but please God instead. Let us be sober-minded as St. Peter is calling us because we're needing to be sober-minded in a world that is drunk with the lusts and the passions of itself, of its own heart. Let us be sober-minded in a world where people are drunk on filling up only themselves and just draining those around them. Do this, Peter is telling us, not for the sake of others, not for the sake of yourself, but for the sake, O Christian, of your prayers. You wish to be heard by God, then flee and be sober-minded in this world. Gather yourself. Gather yourself and be self-controlled, Peter tells us. Control oneself from the passions and the temptations. Sober up your souls through the words of Holy Scripture, through the word of the living God. And flee from the drunken temptations that this world holds out and offers us. Instead, walk the way of Christ, who when he was tempted in the desert by Satan, did not give in, but rebuked Satan with the very words that he inspired in the Scriptures. Hear and heed the words, perhaps, of St. Paul. When he tells us in 1 Corinthians 15, 34, Wake up from your drunken stupor and do not go on sinning. Now, why does he have such harsh words for the Corinthians? Listen as Paul explains. For some have no knowledge of God. For some have no knowledge of God. I say this to your shame. Paul's writing to the Corinthians and telling us today, for us too, to sober up, not merely from drink. This isn't an anti-drinking sermon. Although the Lord has much to say and Paul has much to say about not being given into drunkenness. But instead, the context of what both Paul is saying in Corinthians and Peter is saying in 1 Peter is we need to be sober-minded for the sake of our prayers. Because there's those out there, outside these walls, who have no knowledge of God. And that's to our shame. So let us not shame the Lord who has saved us and who is calling us to witness to a broken world. A broken world that, by the way, He loves. A broken world that He died for. A broken world which His shed blood can cleanse from their sins just as He cleansed us sinners from our sins. A broken world that He's redeeming for a new heavens and a new earth. When the two shall become one. In verse 8, 1 Peter, he continues, 
Above all, keep loving one another earnestly, since love covers a multitude of sins. We love to quote that last half of that verse. Love covers a multitude of sins. But when we get to the nitty-gritty of it, that's when we start to shy away. Because our Lord's love never exhausts. It's never defiled. It's never limited. It's never conditional. Above all, keep loving one another earnestly. Talking to us, to the church, because the community of God starts with you. The community of love, the gathering of the church, starts with us. And so loving each other earnestly means serving each other. It means speaking to each other beyond passing of the peace every Sunday. It means spending time together outside of these walls and helping each other as we are in need. That is what it means to have love. And so when love covers a multitude of sins, it covers each of our own sins, our trespasses against each other. Let us forgive each other of our trespasses as Christ has so graciously forgiven us. And what does this love that covers a multitude of sin look like? He tells us in verse 9, show hospitality to one another without grumbling. That's when Peter applies it a little bit harder than we like, without grumbling. Not just show hospitality, bring somebody a meal. Hope you get to feel better. Have a good day. Close the door. Start to grumble. They didn't really say thank you. They didn't give me that, you know, pot of that pan back, you know. I don't like the, the, the way they were looking at me the other day. You know, so-and-so, they could have done something a whole lot better the other day. They, they were a distraction the other day in, in church. But without grumbling is the call for us, starting here within the body and the walls of the church. Because if we can't love one another, how are we going to love fellow sinners who don't even have knowledge of God? And it's to our shame that they don't know who God is. It is to our shame, excuse me, that they don't know who God is. But it's because we have failed to love. And love covers a multitude of sins. Let us remember that as he tells us here, that in verse 10, as each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. As each has received a gift, not our own, but a gift given to us by who? God, the Father of all gifts, the generous gift giver, who has lavished us not only with his son's redemption, but also with the gift of his Holy Spirit, which he's preparing to give us on Pentecost who blesses each of us, each of us, and that includes you, with a divine gift, a gift from above, a gift that's given to us through our faith in Jesus Christ, through receiving the Holy Spirit, who is working within us to use these divine spiritual gifts that he's equipped us with, to use the gracious gifts of the Spirit. They're not trophies. They're not meant for, for putting up on a mantle, for allowing it to collect dust for ages, for months. And then, oh yeah, I need to dust this off. Not to use the trophy, but just to put it back up there for people to look at. If you're not using your love, then you can't cover it. You can't cover a multitude of sins if you're not pouring it out. The Spirit's gift that He's given you 
are meant to be used. Used to serve one another. Starting right here in this household of faith. Starting here, not stopping here. Starting here and continuing out these doors. Because the Lord God, who has joined you to his very own body, Christ Jesus, who has enlivened you by his very own spirit, the Holy Spirit, has done so and gifted us and made us stewards, as Peter tells us, stewards of a great and expensive fortune that came at such a great cost of the crucifixion of our Lord. So don't hoard this gift like it's some fortune or treasure meant to be kept for ourselves. And don't think that you can even keep it for yourself because the Spirit of God is working within you, is pushing you and driving you. You know those moments when the Spirit is pushing you in, leaning into you, where you almost hear Him whispering, go, speak, go, help out, go, do. Because the Spirit has been praying for us and never ceasingly prays for us because we've been equipped by Him to walk in the good works that God created us to walk in. So don't bury And don't quench the Spirit of God. But instead, take the gifts that the Father has gifted to us and lavished upon us and lavish His gifts, the fruit of the Spirit, upon your church family, upon your own household, upon your friends, upon your co-workers, upon your neighbors. Verse 11. Whoever speaks as one who speaks oracles of God, the words of God, Whoever serves as one who serves by the strength that God supplies in order that everything, everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. I want to zone in there on verse 11 where it says that whoever serves as one who serves by the strength that God supplies. God's the one who supplies. He's the one who gifts. It's not about how much training you do. It's not about how much you work up or pull yourselves up by your bootstraps. He has gifted you exactly what you need, the Spirit of Himself. He is preparing you and is urging you to walk forth and to use His gracious gift as one who serves. For our Lord Jesus Christ, when He was here upon the earth, He served His very own disciples, washed their very own feet, and told them and reminded them constantly You will not be like the rulers of this world who just laud it above themselves. But instead, you will do just as I have done for you. Washing feet, serving others. And that's the call. God has supplied and supplied abundantly. Let's get out of the way. Let's be still during this ascension tide. And let him grow within us. And prepare us for the service that he made us to walk into. Now, why are we supplied with the very Holy Spirit? Why has God graciously given us His very own life, God of God? Because He's making all things new. He's making all things new. And this means and starts with transforming us. But it doesn't end with us. It starts with us and the transformation compels us to go forth and to serve our neighbors as well. Yes, regardless of your age, despite how long we've been attending church, despite knowing Jesus as long as we can remember, perhaps, He's always drawing us nearer and nearer to Him. And He's always sending us out again and again 
to go and to serve others, to go and to love others, not in our name, but in his name, not to our glory, but to his glory, not by our own gumption and by our own power, but by the very power of the Holy Spirit. The same Holy Spirit who filled the prophets, the same Holy Spirit who inspired Moses. Do not doubt this, O Christian. This is a joyous and great gift. It's the very same Spirit who lives within you and lives within me. Not by any merit of our own, but by the grace of God, through the faith that we have in Jesus Christ. Because church, when we obey the call of the Spirit, we are fulfilling the calling of God that He's placed upon us. The one who gifted us with His Holy Spirit. So that, quote, in order that everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ, Peter tells us. He equips us for a purpose. He gives us a gift for us to go off and use it. If you're gifted a great gift, think of something that you've always wanted. Maybe something, let's think of something extravagant. A car you always desire. That perfect car is gifted to you. One of a kind, a rare one. Don't you want to go drive it? It's a gift someone's given to you to go and use it to enjoy. And the gift that God has given us is himself. So that God will be glorified through Jesus Christ the power of the Holy Spirit that he's given you and me. Because when we obey the call of God, when we're good stewards of the gift that he's given us, the Holy Spirit, then we're glorifying God before our neighbor, before the world. We're witnessing not only by the words of our mouth, but by the actions of our heart as well. And if this church, if this church is truly to be the church of the good shepherd, then it starts with serving one another. It starts with loving one another. It starts by love covering a multitude of sins. My question is, do we wish to be the gathering of the Lord's church? Then let's start by loving one another, by serving one another, by loving our neighbors, our lost neighbors in this world who we don't need to presume anymore Oh, they probably know who Jesus is. They probably go to church. That's not the world we live in. They need to hear of Christ. And even the one who's a Christian who goes to church needs encouragement. As Barnabas, that great encourager in Scripture, encouraged the saints who went forth planting churches in the New Testament. They need to know and be reminded of that Christ has died for them. Christ rose for the dead for them. So let us glorify God through the good works that he is calling us to walk in by serving one another in this church, in the household of faith, and leaving these doors, not forgetting what God has done for us, but taking the gift of his very self-same son and using the spirit that he is giving us to boldly, confidently walk forth and to love boldly and to forgive sins mightily as he has forgiven us. As Peter closes this section, to him be the glory and the dominion forever and ever. Amen. Thank you for tuning in and listening to the podcast for this week. We're expanding our ministries at Church of the Good Shepherd and expanding our space as well in order to better accommodate our growing church family and also to minister to our children. 
If you feel led to give, please feel free to text the word SHARE to 1-888-364-GIVE. Or additionally, visit us at www.goodshepherdacna.com and go over to the menu item listed Donate to donate online. We appreciate any help that you can give, and we hope to see you soon. Come visit us on Sundays at 9 a.m. for Bible study and at 10.30 a.m. for Sunday worship. God bless.